February 14th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Afnun Bet Amud Aleph. Seven lines from the bottom of the page. Seven lines up, says the Gemara. Just a few lines on, to, a few words onto the line. Two, four, five words onto the line. The first word that we'll begin with is Vechi. And very briefly, because the Gemara is very much closing a conversation and discussion. The Gemara had mentioned uh, that in, in understanding the Mishnah, that the Mishnah tells us that <coughs> the Serefa, which was to be done as the execution of the Betin, was one which was internal. There would be a Petila, which was dropped into, a wick which was dropped into the body of the person who was deservant of Mitat Serefa, and as a result, that's how they die. You didn't light them on fire for externally. Their body, so to speak, stayed intact. At the Gemara, how do you know this? Perhaps it's not so. And we had two separate answers in the Gemara. Either it was a derasha, an understanding from Bene Aharon, from Nadav and Abihu, or alternatively from Adat Korach. Each of those the Gemara deliberated, discussed, and explained. Now says the Gemara, Vechi Me'ahar, it's the last matter that we have over here, Di'ika Derav Nachman, Gezera Shava Lamale. Says the Gemara, once I have the statement of Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman told us that the halacha is, the Pasuk says that you're supposed to love Re'acha down till the end, up until the final moment, even if that's a person who's being executed to death. In such a circumstance, bring forth love for them. Once you have that statement, so why do I need a Gezerah Shava? Of course, the type of death which you'd put forth for them, uh, well, it would be one which would not be painful and external. Says the Gemara, Ilav Gezer HaShava, Hava Amina, Serefat Neshama, Veguf Kayam, Lav Serefa Hi Kelao. Says the Gemara, if I just had the statement of, Ve'ahavta Lere'acha Kamocha, and I didn't have Derashot from Pesukim to teach me that Serefa is indeed considered Serefa, it's considered burning even when it's only internal, I would have said that's Lav Serefa Kelao. The Torah says you're supposed to burn this person. What are you doing? And that's very cute. You're dropping something inside and you're bringing forth their death. It's a nice lethal, inje- nice lethal inje- injection of some sort, but that's not serefa. It's for that reason I need Gezerah Shavah to Bnei Aharon, to, to, to Adat Korach to teach me that that's considered, according to the Torah, serefa. Fantastic. Once you have those pesukim, says the Gemara, says the Gemara, if I just had the pasuk of so I would have said perhaps, let's just do a very quick external burning, which means to say, I'll, I'll wrap the person, as the Mishnah said, wrap the person with a lot of vines and sticks and and so forth, and then light them on fire, and perhaps like very quickly, they will die, they will expire in such a circumstance, that would be best. In short, what the Gemara did over here for us was ask, what's the necessity of two modes of derasha for figuring out how to do serefa? Why do I need both gezerah shava, which teaches me that it's in, an internal burning, and why do I as well need ve'ahavta l'reacha kamocha? The gezerah shava should be sufficient on its own, and perhaps ve'ahavta l'reacha kamocha could be sufficient on its own. So the Gemara, each of those was necessary. I could have perhaps said internal burning is not considered burning at all. I could have alternatively said that the halakha is that I should get this person to death as quickly as possible, which apparently would be by that external, if done properly, put lighter fluid on them, figure out a way in which they're going to burn very quickly and swiftly, and they'll be done in a, in a fast fashion. So as the Gemara, that's what you learn from 
each of the darashot in tandem and together, this was the proper way of doing serefa. Now these next few lines in the Gemara we learned already, we'll read them again together, br- briefly comment on that and then move on. Says the Gemara, just a few lines from the bottom, four lines from the bottom, and remember the context why the Gemara is now going to get Midrashic on us. If you recall, we were talking about derashot from a bene Aharon, Nadav and Avihu, their death, beginning of Parashat Shemini, the para- excuse me, Parashat Shemini, and then afterwards in Parashat Haremot, very briefly, we read about the death of Bnei Aharon, who brought an Esh Zara Asher Lo Sivautam, a mysterious statement in the Torah. They brought a, a foreign, strange fire, which they weren't commanded uh, to bring, and God therefore has a Esh, which comes forth a fire and consumes them. That's Bnei Aharon. And separately, we learned about the Adat Korach. Now, people asked afterwards, they got confused. Adat Korach, they thought, were swallowed by the ground. That's true. That's later in the parasha. The beginning of the parasha, there's 250 people together with, uh, with Korach. Korach stages this rebellion, and Moshe has a genius operation. He says, everyone should come forth with pans. They should put ketoret on it, that incense, and light that, and we'll see who's chosen. And those 250 people, as opposed to Aharon, are incinerated, or internally incinerated, according to our Gemara. Separately, Afterwards, Nadav, excuse me, uh, what's his name? Tatan, uh, Aviram, uh, and maybe Korach, or Mishpachtam, they get swallowed by the ground. Okay, so the Gemara will, on each of those points, bring forth a certain lesson to be derived. The first one is from Nadav and Avihu. Says the Gemara, Ukevar Haya, four lines from Banu, Kvar Hayu Mosheve Aharon Mehalechin Baderech. It says the Gemara, it happened, and again, this is a, this is a reconstruction of Shemot Perekaf Dalet. After the Torah's parashat mishpatim, at the very end, it tells us how Moshe, Aharon, Nadav, Aviyu, Shivim, Zekenim were summoned to Har Sinai when that segment took place. Before the giving of the Torah, immediately afterwards, it's a mahlokah between the Mefashim, Ramban, Ibn Ezra, and others. Anyway, but that's the imagery. The imagery is they're summoned to the mountain, and here they are walking. Uh, Moshe and Aharon first. Of, uh, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. They're the leaders. Then you have the 70 elders, and Nadav and Avihu are a part of that uh, dignified upper uh, strata of society. They're walking afterwards. And only after them were all Yisrael. So imagine the delegation, the parade to Ha'ar. Walking, well, they're not really so far behind, but they're right after the absolute leadership. And they're looking at the Moshe and Aharon and envisioning themselves in those shoes, perhaps understanding how they believe they could do things better. When are these two old men, Moshe and Aharon, going to die? And you and I will know how to bring this forward. We have the youthful spirit, energy, and understanding. Moshe and Aharon have expired. The Gemara, as I imagine each of you, envisions this which again, they reconstructed as an act of haughtiness. This is ostentatious, this is self-centered. Who do you think you are? You're not able to follow the leadership, Moshe and Aharon? Nadav initiated it. Maybe another Midrash, not over here. Indeed. Says the Pasuk, Nadav, the older one, turns to Avihu, which appears to be the younger one, and says it. All right. But ultimately speaking, I guess Avihu 
accepts it, he agrees, but it is a statement <coughs> of Nadav to Avihu. Now, where do the rabbis see this? Well, first and foremost, just the very act of bringing an ish zara, if you have the audacity as a, even not young man, even an old man, to bring forth in the Mishkan, the sanctuary, the abode of God, your own vision of what should be done, which you weren't commanded, well, that takes a lot of courage, an inappropriate, misappropriated uh, courage. You think you're going to determine the laws, the rules of this place? That's audacity, that's self-centeredness. The Hachamim, we'll read it later in the Gemara Masechet Sanhedrin, hint at this when they talk about the... What's that? Absolutely, but it means I believe I'm in charge. I can't submit to authority. If I can't submit to Moshe and Aharon, if I can't submit to God, I can't submit to Moshe and Aharon either. The truth is, these Pesukim already, which are before the imagery of the Mishkan, that's what the Hachamim are doing. They're saying it started with Moshe and Aharon, and it was only a matter of time until it was against God as well. They determined they know best. The Pasuk does say over here, as I mentioned, by this scenery of Har Sinai, that they go up to the mountain, and they eat and they drink. A reference, according to many, to Nadav and Avihu, according to Rashi, Nadav and Avihu. But God doesn't kill them. Why should he have killed them? Because what are you doing eating and drinking? I mean, you're in a sanctified moment. You're in a situation where Moshe, and, uh, Moshe is six days getting himself ready. Moshe is going to spend 40 days and 40 nights without eating and drinking. And you're, whether it means physical drinking or not, Mars, the point is, here's a moment where they're tending to themselves, where they're seeing themselves, says the Torah to us with those words, and God didn't strike them. He held on, says Rashi, and at what our Gemara is hinting to. He <laughs> held on until they actually stepped into his abode. So now it was Moshe and Aharon, as you said, Charlie. But na- next, it's against God. In truth, that's what happens with the Esh Zara Sheilosi Vautam in the image of the Hachamim. There are several interpretations. Rashi, in his commentary to the Torah, mentions three. What they do wrong? Again, Pasuk says they brought a strange fire, but it's enigmatic. What's a strange fire? Says Rashi, either they were drunk. Can you imagine being drunk and stepping in? to a circumstance of responsibility. Well, you can't find someone who's more self-centered than that. You thought you could run this on your terms. Alternatively, they were more halacha bifne rabam. That's the easiest to understand. They taught the law in front of Moshe and Aaron. That's exactly the direct result of this. It begins with, I could do the job better than him. It ends with, and I am doing the job better than him. That's what they're determining. They're deciding what to bring against God, against Moshe and Aharon. Or lastly, it's because they weren't married, says the Midrash. What does it mean they weren't married? I don't need someone at my side. I don't need to tend to someone or be tended by someone. I'm the center of this. That's the vision, that's the description through and through in my mind of Nadav and Avihu in the eyes of the Hachamim. It's hard to pinpoint where exactly they went wrong, say the Hachamim, but we got to the core. We got to the root of it. It has to do with this self-centered vision, this ability that they had to have courage, which is above and beyond anything appropriate for people who are in any position, certainly in an up-and-coming authority position. Says the Gemara, Amar God turns to them and says, Let's see who buries whom. You're waiting for them to die? Let's see 
who's going to die first? Amar of Papa, of course, not Amar who died first. Amar of Papa, Hainu de Amre Inche, that's what Rav Papa said. This is the statement of people. Nefishe, Vainathash means to, to rest, but it also means to spread out. Uh, nafish means something that's that's abundant. Nefishe gamle sabe. There are many. There's an abundance of old camels. De te'ine mashche de that carry the skins of young uh, baby uh, um, camels. Meaning the young baby camels died, and all that remains is skins. In other words. Youthful wrongdoing is something which, unfortunately, says the Gemara, is a reality. And we know sometimes the youth have this, mis- this, this mis- misappropriation of who they are, what they are, and as a result, it leads to their death first. Says the Gemara onward, okay, that's Midrash with regards to Nadav and Avihu. Now, as Rashi interprets this next segment of the Gemara, here's Midrash that deals with Korah ve'adator. Remember the vision, the description of the hachamim. Not all that different. Korah brings in the 250 people. Do you remember the derashah? With food and drinks, as Maris pointed out. Rightfully, not necessarily physical food and drinks, but having to do with tending to the body, to yourself. Who are you? So again, that's the vision of Korah ve'adator. Certainly the nisye'i the important ministers of the people who go along with him, who end up getting killed. Says the Midrash about that. Amar so the question is, what does a Talmud Hacham, what does a person who's a scholar, who's worth his salt in the context of Torah, what does he initially look like to the, uh, to the people who are simple, to the ignoramuses of society? They look at this knowledgeable uh, person and what do they say to themselves? Again, says Rashi, Put yourself in the mindset of these nisye eda, these 250 people, before anything, before they indulged, before they got involved. How did people look at them? People looked at them, says the Gemara. Dome lekiton shel zahav. That person, that individual, looks like, appears to the people like a, uh, a goblet or a, uh, a flask which is made out of gold. They are pristine, they're prestigious, they're dignified. Siper hemenu, they begin to discuss idly with the uh, common folk. Not that they're engaged with our common folk, they should be, but they're talking about crass matters, about this worldly issues. Instead of dealing with what they should be dealing with, instead of leading the people in such a fashion, they get involved with the people stuff. They get involved with sipurim be'alma, matters which are insignificant in the scheme of things. How do people, now again, they're hacking, they're talking, they're able to get along with the people. How do people then envision that, that person, that individual, tamit hacham, domed lekiton shel kesef, they've already been diminished in the eyes of the people. They're no longer made out of gold, they're made out of silver. Okay, but they're still, I mean, I still have, I still respect, I still honor that person. They've gone beyond that. They're eating, they're drinking, they're getting benefit from the people. So no longer are they standing apart in their leadership, They're not, nor are they just involved with the people, they're benefiting directly from the people. They've diminished themselves to the state in which they're looked at as, so to speak, earthenware, they're made out of clay, they're very low value. That person, he takes that from me, I gave that to him, he's very much gone down in my eyes, whether it's able to articulate or not, this is in the subconscious of the people. When it comes to a earthenware vessel, you see, when it comes to gold or silver, if you drop gold or silver, in my household, not that we have all that much, but my kids are very good at dropping things. If you drop glass in my home, as it happened on the weekend, it's gone forevermore. If you drop the silver uh, kiddush cup, 
which happened on this weekend as well. Of course, well, that you just take the, the I don't know, the silver place, which we've been to, and they recraft it for you. They, they mold it properly. So here it is, klisha l'cheres, when the person has diminished themselves to that state where they're just cheres to the people, where they're just clay and earthenware, so it just takes one wrongdoing. It takes their individual acts of 250 people going up against it's all over. In other words, you began with diminishing yourself. There's no redemption if you've gone wrong to that extent. Says the Gemara, let me tell you a story about a Bat Kohen who actually <coughs> was sentenced and executed to death. Says the Gemara, Immarta Bat Tale, Bat Kohen that's her name. Immarta Bat Tale. Okay, she was a Bat Kohen. Okay, so we know the story of a Bat Kohen. We know from Parashat Imar. What about in the time? of Gemara, it's a fascinating thing. This is after Sanhedrin, certainly after Mikdash. She was a bat kohen shezinta. Akafa rav hama bar tuvya havile zemorot v'sarefa. Rav hama bar tuvya, one of the emoraim, what he did was he was akafa, l'hakif of akafot, we know, means to circle, to surround, with havile zemorot. Havile zemorot refers to uh, sticks, uh, bundles of, what's that? Vines, okay, vines, twigs, sticks, I don't know, sometimes, I think it's always vines, but I've seen, I've seen it in context of sticks. Anyway, so he surrounds, and it also makes more sense, vines, because that's how you surround someone. Anyway, he surrounded her with this, uh, this uh, flammable uh, item, and in turn he burns her. Well, wait a second, that's not what he was supposed to do. We spent a whole amud talking about how it's an internal burden. In fact, we had in our Mishnah that, uh, well, we'll talk about in a few moments, that testimony about how once upon a time they did it externally and we knocked them down. We said, no, that's the way of the Sadducees, of the Sidduqim. Is that seriously what you did? Rav Hamabar Tuvya Amar of Yosef Says Rav Yosef, you should know Rav Hama Bar who killed this woman in such a fashion, he made a mistake on two matters, two fronts. Number one, Rav Matna. The first mistake he made was Rav Matna. That's our Gemara in the past. That's the Gemara on Daf Daf Nun Beta Mudalif that you're not supposed to do an external burning, but an internal burning. Where do we learn it from? From Bnei Haron, from Adat Korach. But ultimately speaking, he made that mistake. I mean, he didn't know our tradition. He didn't know our learning. Ta'ah, but he made another mistake. He made a mistake on the following halacha, which is derived in this beraita. What's the halacha? Ubata el hakohanim haleviim vel hashofet asher yihye b'yamim hahem. So here's the pasuk. If you just read those words, you have no idea what the derasha is. The pasuk in its entirety goes as follows. It says, if you have a question, you don't know what the halacha is, you're uncertain, you have a quarrel, you have a dispute, you have an uncertainty in halacha, vekamta. Ve'alita, go up. Where are you going to go? To El Hamakom, to the place. This is what the Torah tells us a few times in Parashat, in Sefer Devarim. And then it says, Ubata El HaKohanim HaLevim. It says you should come to, as the Pasuk tells us, to the priests, to the Levim. Oh, I said, the Kohanim. I mean, tell me to go to the Shofet. Tell me to go to the judge. Tell me to go to the rabbi. Tell me to go to the leader. Kohanim, Levim. So the pasuk goes out of its way to say, not only are you going to Kohen, uh, to the shofet, to the judge, to the court, you're going to the Kohen Levi. We'll talk about those words in just a moment. That's the derasha. The derasha is what's the Kohen Levi doing together with the shofet? The derasha in turn goes as follows. If there's a Kohen up there, meaning at the Mikdash, meaning at the Sanhedrin, that's when there's mishpat, that's when you put to death. There's no Kohen there. We'll define what that means in a second. 
No mishpat. Before we define the words, the, the concept, uh, here's the mistake he made. Rav Hama, how'd you do this? Number one, you didn't kill properly. Number two, you're killing Bisman Hazeh? We're hundreds of years after the time when we've accepted we're no longer allowed to kill. We're past the time of Kohanim Levim. What is the concept of Kohanim Levim? So there's a mahlokit on the page between Rashi and Rabbeinu Hananel. Rashi says what it's a reference to is how the Kohanim Levim were purposed. They were supposed to be working in the Sanhedrin. As I've mentioned on more than one occasion, I, I like to build up the Kohanim in our crowd, but I also like to knock you down. We're okay with many of the ones here. You're supposed to be the leaders of the community. That's just the way it was supposed to be. I've also said on more than one occasion, the kids, the boys in my grade, in my opinion, I've gotten this, this retrospective, and this is also, you know, stereotyping and getting into their lives or whatever, but who are most connected today, hard to describe it, you know, quantified or whatever, are the Kohanim. I've always said that. I think it's because of Bekat Kohanim. I think they have more of a role in Tefillah, and I think as a result, they've always kept themselves more connected. What well, One way, maybe the father as a result as well, but irrespective of that, it's also because it's the majority of the grade. But anyway, that being the case, the statement here goes like this. The Kohanim Levim says Rashi were supposed to work in the Sanhedrin. That was supposed to be that. Of course, they worked in the Mikdash, and then not in their off hours. In their other hours, they were judging. They were the leaders. That's what you were supposed to turn to. The Torah is clear about this. There was corruption afterwards. It didn't work out politically and all sorts of other reasons. The Kohanim never filled that role. They filled the role of working in the Mikdash. They didn't fill the role of leaders with regards to halakha, instruction, and all that sort of stuff. So that's the statement, though, says Rashi. If you have Sanhedrin, you're putting to death even in your Beitin, which is smaller outside. If you don't have Sanhedrin... So you can't be doing this. Or you don't have a Supreme Court, so then there's no uh, specific courts that you have in each city or in each borough. No such thing. That's the statement according to Rashi. Rabbeinu Hananel reads it a little bit more literally, a little bit more the way perhaps we'd, it would meet our eye. He says, if you have a Kohen Levi in the Mikdash, well, then you're killing. If you don't have them in the Mikdash, meaning you don't have a Mikdash, then you're not killing. You see, according to Rashi, the logic is easy. If you have Sanhedrin, you have the Supreme Court, so then you're putting to death outside of Supreme Court as well. According to Rabbeinu Hananel, it's a little bit more curious. You have Avodah by Mikdash, you put to death, you don't, you don't put to death. What does one have to do with the other? Unless the concept goes along these lines. We saw in the first Perik that the Gemara has that derasha, Elohim nitzav v'adat el bekerev Elohim yishpot. The concept being God's presence is amongst the Dayanim. That's the way we're supposed to envision it. Instead of envisioning this just as a communal putting things into place, we see this as a God mission. If you want to have an ideal, true God mission, well, you have to have it back at the home base as well, in the Mikdash. Mikdash, what does Mikdash have to do with Mishpat? It has everything to do with Mishpat. When you are acting, Mishpat, you're walking on the path of God. It's what God tells to Abraham. To walk on the path of God means to practice. means to be righteous, means to be just. If you're missing the place of Avodat Hashem at its core, at its highest level, the way the Torah tells us, so then Sedakah Mishpat is also diminished. That's how I'd read it according to Rabbeinu Hananel. Ultimately speaking, it's a crazy story. You're describing one of the Emoraim who A, puts to death and B, wrongfully puts to death. 
Try that one on for size, Morris. I mean, for all we talk about how they avoided it, from time to time we see these circumstances. Again, it's hard. We can't contextualize. We don't know the circumstances. We don't know the situation. There was clearly some political issue over here. Something went wrong and they're, they're attacking him for it and so forth. It's still an amazing thing. They were actually doing it. Anyway, it says the Gemara, Amar bil Azab bil Sadok ma'aseb bat kohen shezinta. If you recall the end of the Mishnah, bil Azab bil Sadok, who, who disagreed with the, uh, with the authorities on this matter, right? You had the first two opinions there in the Mishnah, and then you have Rabbi Azab and Rabbi Sadok, and says, you're both wrong. The way they would put to death, he says, I saw it, ma'aseh, they put to death with an external burning. Uh, it's not this internal thing, that's, uh, this, uh, this clean uh, process which you described. What's that? Well, Rav Hamaz going with him, yeah. But Rav Hamaz long after the Mishnah. And the Mishnah knocks out of the Al-Azab and Sadok and says, you saw Sadducees. You saw when the Kehunah was taken over by the Sadducees. Did they say Sadducees or did they say Sadducees? The Gemara will say Sadducees. The Rashi told us it was Sadducees. The Gemara will say it over here. The Mishnah just says, you got it of people who weren't proficient, right? That was, you saw head your talk, you saw simpletons, right? Says the Gemara, Amar Rav Yosef, again, so that was the story, right? Bila Azab Rabbi Sadok is testifying, he's remembering, that's what they did. They didn't kill the way you said. You said they dropped this thing, that's not the way it worked. They burnt the guy. You know what it means? Burnt, he looked like charred up at the end. She looked charred up at the end. Amar Rav Yosef, a bit... In the Mikdash? Uh, in the Sanhedrin? In many cases in Sefer Devarim, there are Pesukim in which the Kohanim and Levim are charged with doing this Mishpat. This is one of them, right? This is one of them, ironically, it's a little circular because I'm telling you this is one of them, but you have it by Igla Arufa as well, when you find the dead corpse outside the city. Who's going? The judges, of course, the Kohanim, the Levim. Kisifte Kohen, you're supposed to turn to the Manavi Malachi says, you're supposed to find in him Malach Hashem Tzvakot. He's supposed to be the paradigm of leadership. You have Moshe handing the Sefer Haberi to the Kohanim. Why to the Kohanim? Give it to the Zikanim, give it to the Shofitim, the Shotirim. It's because that, that was the role of the Kohanim. In, again, more places than the ones I'm just telling you, but those are the ones that, I, listen, I've made this mistake of that. I, I speak very passionately about it because I made this mistake. Four summers ago, four summers ago, I think it was, I gave a speech in, in Allenhurst, and the speech was, I thought it was a very clever speech. I said, El Azar HaKohen, El Azar goes and he spears Kozbi and Zimri, right? We know the action, and, and as a result, Parashat Pinehas, he gets Berit Kehunat Olam. He gets, well, two things. Well, he's, he stands for Mishpat Shalom, but Berit Kehunat Olam, he's giving him the priesthood. That sounds very strange to me. A priesthood, what does it have to do with being a Kohen? He killed them. That's not the way I envision a Kohen. And I had a whole derasha about it. So Rabbi Shama, he should live and be well, walked up to me afterwards and he said, he didn't do it that way. He spoke during Se'udah Shilishim. He said, some people, and he, nobody knew who he was talking to me. Was I said to him afterwards, thank you very much. He set me in my place. He said, some people, whatever. Anyway, what, what he described was, he said, there's a wrongful vision of the Kohanim. People think the, the Kohanim just worked in the Mikdash. He says, the Kohanim were supposed to bring justice, righteousness. As a result, that's exactly what Elazar is supposed to It doesn't sound right to me and you. Also, I don't envision justice and righteousness as spearing, but that's what it was in the moment. It was a, it's an act of zealotry. That was Kehuna. 
Kehunah. Kehunah was supposed to be the act of knowing how to set people and a society in place. Of course, working in the Mikdash as well. Anyway, says the Gemara, it was a little embarrassing. And I, I, I drove home with my father that night. He said, no, he wasn't talking. I said, I'm going to talk to him tomorrow. He was trying to teach me without. Anyway, it says the Gemara, Amarav Yosef Bedin Shel Sidukim Hava. There it is, uh, Morris. This Bedin in which the Kohanim, put, excuse me, in which the Dayanim put the Bat Kohen to death with the external fire as opposed to internal, it was of Sadducees. What does it have to do with them being first? What are Sidukim? Sidukim are for a long time, until not really today, but my grandfather says in Egypt there were hundreds of thousands of Sidukim in his day. Not Sidukim, Karaim in his day, but similar to Sidukim. Sidukim, uh, rabbinically speaking, we, uh, Avot Rabinatan says that they were the students of Antignos Rizzocho. The Mishnah at the beginning of Pekei Avot says that there was this individual who used to tell his students, Al tiyu ka'avadim ha-mishamishin etarav amenat lekabel peras, ela heyu ka'avadim ha-mishamishin etarav amenat shelo lekabel peras. Don't worship God, your master, in order to get rewarded. Worship him, serve him, in order to not be rewarded. These two students, Sadok and Baito, said one to the other, you hear that? You understand what he's saying? He's saying, there's no one giving us reward. This whole thing is a fake. And as a result, they moved away from traditional interpretation of Torah. Instead of having this traditional Torah approach, they became very sensitive to strict letter of the law, words in the text. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. But I thought they said there was no God. That's an important question. Hanabam addresses that. He says the whole thing was a fall. The whole thing was a joke. They were all just trying to mislead people, pretending that they're working within this. Anyway, that's the vision classically of Sudukim. Uh, whether that's the history in reality, that's the reconstruction of the Hachamim or not, is insignificant. That's who they were. They were interpreting the Torah Kipshuto. Now, Sadok and Baitos, certainly Sidukim, but the Baitusim as well. We know both historically from artifacts that we have from outside of Yerushalayim in several places, but we know from rabbinic texts as well. They were very into purity. They were very into this ascetic lifestyle. They would wear white and they would go to, and they would dip a lot in mikveh, and they were kohanim, or at the very least, they saw themselves as kohanim. So it makes a lot of sense here that the kohanim, during the time of the second Beit HaMittash, were at a certain point governed by Sadducees. The Sadducees wanted to get in there. Many of them were knocked out. There was this con- continuous fight between both sides, between what we call the pirushim, the traditional ones in our vision, and those other ones, the sidukim. So as a result, it makes a lot of sense. Here are the sidukim in the mikdash, putting to death, or in the Sanhedrin, it's betin shel sidukim. They had a way of, even though we imagine them on the margins of society, many of them were in the thick, in, thick of it. Anyway, says the Gemara, hache amar lehu vehache ahaderu le. Is that really what happened? This Rabbi Lazab Rabbi Sadok, he spoke to them like that, and they responded to him accordingly. Our Mishnah said he told them, "I saw that. I saw the external burning," and they responded, "The Hachamim did. No, that's not what happened. That was a Beit Din Shel Sidukim. Is that really? It was that simple. We have a different version of it." Says the Gemara. Hatanya, it's, it's not so crazily different, but it's different. Hatanya doesn't the Beraita tell us Amar Rabbi Sadok Zechurani. In this story, it starts with, I remember. In our Mishnah, it started with, Ma'aseh, it happened. Zechurani kshayiti tinok. I was a young lad. Umurkav al ketefo shel Abba. And my dad was, uh, had me on his shoulders. That's what you do with children very often. You keep them on your, children, on your shoulders. Especially when you're going to watch something significant. Keep in mind what they're going to watch. They're going to watch execution. Right. So he's got his child on his shoulders going to watch the show. Which was very much, I guess, an exciting thing. Once you, know, you didn't have other entertainment. You went and watched the... Evil evildoers get put to death. Anyway, but that's the memory already. You understand? The memory is when he was a child... 
So you understand the response in this Beraita is going to be, come on, you were a child. In our Mishnah, it wasn't so. Our Mishnah, it was, no, we believe in what you said, but he was a Siduki. So which one was it? It's the identical story we're about to read, but in the context, in the way it was remembered, one of them tells us he was a child, and they knock him down. We're not bringing proofs from your childhood. And the other one says, no, we believe you, but it was a Siduki. We're just trying to clarify what exactly happened. It says that they brought the Bat Kohen, who had wrong for relations. And this this Version, not our Mishnah, but this Bariata Amrulo Katanaita. You were a child. You can't bring proof in the true legal sense from little children. Okay, so which one was it? Which, which story happened? Says so the Gemara, both of them happened. Both of them happened. Uh, both of these stories. Well, one second, let me get the show. That's right. Bilazabir didn't just see one Bat Kohen get uh, burnt. He saw two Bat Kohanim get burnt. One when he was a child and one when he was older. Interesting. Says the Gemara, Which one of these stories did he recount and remember to the rabbis first? If you're to tell me, Perhaps, says the Gemara, he told the story that's in our Mishnah first. He told when I was an older person, when I was already mature, over the age of 13, for argument's sake, I saw the Betin put to death with external burning. Says the Gemara, you're telling me he told them that story. They knocked him down and said, that was of Sidukim. And he said, but wait a second. Also, when I was a child, I saw it. Uh, <laughs> he already told you that it's a silly story. You're not, you can't prove anything from the wrongful act. And now because you were a child, that made it better. Ela says the Gemara, rather, if we could reconstruct what took place, it went like this. He started off and he said, you know something, I remember like yesterday, I was on the shoulders of my father. I was watching it and they burnt her in such a fashion. They said, wait a second. And you were a child. Discard that. Take it off. Stenographer, please take it off of the records. He says, no, wait a second. I have another story. When I was older as well, they said, oh, even that we can't listen to. And they responded to him on them. Because at that time, they weren't proficient. In, in the first story, when he was a child, he's still bringing testimony from childhood. In other words, it's, he may have heard it from no, his father. When he was older. Yeah. Interesting. The Gemara does. The, right. It's, it's clever. It's clever. He should have responded that way. When they say it in Katana Yitra. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he knocked himself out. No, no, because the Betin weren't experts. Because the Betin was an expert. No, 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 the second one. No, 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 again. Betin Shalotasha Abaki, not because he was an expert. That was the Lashon of our Mishnah. Remember, the Lashon of our Mishnah was Betin Shalotasha Abaki. Our Gemara is interpreting those words that they weren't Bekim as Sidukim. You're right, from the Mishnah itself. You're right. From the Mishnah itself, you can't, you, you can't, but that's how the Gemara interprets it. In short, yeah, I, I hear you. Any, either way you slice it, he's not going against it. He thinks he brought a proof. They say to him, you didn't understand what type of people they were. So ultimately speaking, maybe it's a dispute about what the quality of those people were, what was really going on in their mind, what their belief system really was all about. In short, the Gemara concludes for us over here the issue of Misfat HaNisrafim. The next, next Mishnah will bring us on to the next Mitat Betin, Mitat Zayif, Mitat Herig, the beheading, the circumstance where you sever the head of the person. And then the next Mishnah will yet bring us to Mitzvat HaNechnakim, when you strangulate 
the person. Baruch Amen, Amen.